Welcome to Heritage Tree, where we talk about heritage care and development for people and organizations. And now to our host, Dr. Dina Michelle Roscoe. Today we're going to talk about faith. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, reading from Hebrews 11 verse 1. The evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. These passages here in Hebrews 11 go on to name many others of the faith who were, for example, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn into, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. It was verse 35 and back up in verse 32. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. We read these examples and wonder in our times of what we witness of violence, of injustice, of extremism, of how to live at our faith, especially in the absence of the routines that we were used to, the rhythms of life that bring about a sense of belonging and encouragement. But before we go further, let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for this moment to talk about faith for our times. Thank you for your love for us and that you give us this way, this avenue, this opportunity to be bold and courageous in frightening times and challenging times. I thank you for your promise that you're with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for. What is your hope? What are we hoping for in our times? What are we hoping for out of this podcast? What are we hoping for out of this scripture reading? What are we hoping for out of the work that we're doing, out of our job, out of our marriage, out of our children? What are we hoping for out of our churches, our communities, our cities? What are we expecting and what are we believing of good that can happen from our efforts individually and collectively as a people. What is our hope? We can know our hope by our actions. We can know our hope by when circumstances rattle us and what do we cling to? What do we stand on? Like the old hymn that talks about faith being an anchor of the soul when the storms of life toss us about. 
Romans, written by the Apostle Paul, an excellent treatise of the Christian faith, talks about faith. It says in Romans 1, verses 16 to 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is power unto salvation for all who believe, first the Jew and the Greek. For in it the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith is a verse from Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2, verse 4. And in that chapter, in that day, Habakkuk, as a prophet, felt that the heavens were as brass, that he prayed unto God and there was no answer. Indeed, the Lord's reply to Habakkuk in chapter 1, verse 5, Look among the nations and watch, be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. And he goes on to describe how things will get worse. I did not feel better after reading that, right? But the Lord answered. And how does Habakkuk respond? 2, verse 1, I will stand my watch. I set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me, what I will answer when I am corrected. So Habakkuk holds himself in position. Okay, this is pretty tense. I don't know about you, how your muscles or body awareness reacts to tension, to stress, to anxiety, where you feel that pain in your body and the effect on you. Stress-induced illness is a big deal and an ongoing problem. And it is also something that we can choose to manage, that we can choose our response over time and learn a new way. We can retrain our brain. We can do exercise. We can do other things. Here, Habakkuk responds to this stress. You, I almost see him in this tension of, I will stand my watch. Okay, that was pretty intense. He at least is waiting to hear from God, and he wants to know. He's concerned about what I will answer when I'm corrected. <laughs> and isn't that the way? <laughs> almost like Job with arguing with God, you know, how is he going to correct me? Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. In previous episodes, we talk about Abraham. We talk about a gospel heritage from God's promise, his covenant of Abraham's family blessing the nations, becoming a great nation so that all nations will be blessed. And here we hear that this message of faith still matters. Abraham was credited as righteous because of his faith, the scriptures teach us. And here again, we hear this similar message echoed Many years later, in around 605 BC, but the just shall live by his faith. Many years later, Paul would write these words about the gospel of Jesus as a reason for confidence and not shame in in indignant times. This book of Romans estimated to be written about in AD 57, 600 plus years later. Why was it in Amos, a farmer that God called, that The Lord said, I hate, I despise your feasts. I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. 
nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments, but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. There it is. The just shall live by faith. Faith credits righteousness to us. So the question is, what is righteousness? One sure way we know righteousness was through the life of Christ. It says of him in scriptures that in Hebrews also, when he was tempted, he did not sin. He did not revile. He did not take revenge. He entrusted himself to God who judges justly. It says that elsewhere. It says of him, he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. Remember when God was speaking to Habakkuk, he was contrasting this justice with the proud, the proud that says in his heart elsewhere in scripture that he needs no God. Well, look where that has gotten us. Chapter one of Habakkuk, verse one, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, a burden to carry. Think of a burden. And in other episodes, we talk about the yoke of Jesus. And I don't know if you ever try to get ahead of Jesus or turn or force something in your life. And it usually results in some kind of injury, whether spiritual or otherwise. And here the burden that the prophet Habakkuk saw that he was carrying as he lived in these times. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity? Why do you cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, the perverse, therefore perverse judgment proceeds. God responds with how he will use the nations to come and discipline them for their wrongdoings, for their injustices. And yet here it's so curious in chapter two, verse four, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. If we are believing God to be just in our lives, And we do not have to use the extreme examples that we have read about here, yet these deeds happen with intergroup violence around the world today. These behaviors happen among the nations and within people groups, and these happen within our streets and within our homes, that there is strife and contention. And we may feel as Habakkuk, that the law is powerless, this, the very structure that we're depending on to live peaceable and orderly lives is eroded, and that makes us feel anxious and vulnerable. Justice doesn't succeed, we think, and the wicked prevail. This was King David's lament, and all through the Psalms, if you read through the Psalms, which we're doing with our baby, I read to him every night, and I've been reading through the Psalms. We've also read through Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, so the books of wisdom. King David felt that the just were not getting their reward. And this was the setup for Cain versus Abel, if you will. Why is it that Cain and Abel are the first figures mentioned in the Hebrews honor roll? Why is it that God honored Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. And we read in the book of Amos that he said, do away with those. He was sick and tired of religious 
fronting, people who virtue casted, people who did the religious deed, but not with mercy. Jesus, when he debated or exhorted or rebuked the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees often, they had a hard heart. They had a hard heart because they did not want the healing of their people. They would become enraged and wrathful. They would become violent and look, they plotted his death. They did not want to even take responsibility for it. They wanted another nation to use their state-assisted, state-funded method of execution to murder Jesus. So they were still, many years later, many generations later, filled with strife and contention. This as a condition of people in the world, of nation-states, of the evidence of the works of the enemy of Satan, and I go into this in book two, I go into this in previous episodes, so not to labor the fact here, but have you ever wondered why does it say in scriptures that the just shall live by his faith? Why is it, or how is it, or what is it about faith that brings about justice? First Corinthians 13, we know of the greatest gift. The Apostle Paul had just been describing spiritual gifts for unity of the body of Christ, working together, using their talents and gifts in his service for building up the church. And then he says, well, even if I speak the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. This like the brass of the heavens from Habakkuk's day, that if we have not love, then no matter what we are doing, what motions we're going through on the outside, it falls short and it falls empty. And I, and I wonder how much you or I could feel that within ourselves. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not parade itself, it is not puffed up, love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Reading through that honor roll in Hebrews 11, all the suffering that people went through for the Lord. And reading through Habakkuk and other prophets' laments about the violence and wickedness that they lived with, that they just couldn't stand. Even Lot struggled in his days in Sodom and Gomorrah. This says here in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. And that perfect refers to Christ. We often think of that in Christianity, that he was the one who was, again, tempted in every way, but did not sin, did not revile, because he entrusted himself to God, who judges justly. First Corinthians 13 
verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in mirror dimly, but then face to face. I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And this is interesting here, a new way of knowing, a new thinking about knowing. Now, I often like to say I prefer to describe what he's saying here as he puts immature things behind him because Jesus encouraged childlike faith, childlike faith, and to welcome the children. So I I don't want to encourage childism in this passage here. But what he is saying is he put those partial understandings away. And there's a, a greater knowledge to known as in I will know and I will also be known. And that knowing comes when we see Christ. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, tip us at the link below and inquire, subscribe, and shop our merchandise label of Heritage Tree and Heritage at dinamichellerosco.com and dogwoodgroup.io. Come back again when we gather around the Heritage Tree. 